0: Hello, I'm Christopher Powell, Executive Director of Pittsburgh Festival Opera.
1: And I'm Marianne Cornetti, International Songbird and Artistic Director of the Pittsburgh Festival Opera. Welcome to Unstaged,
0: the Pittsburgh Festival Opera's new podcast. We're excited to share our insights and stories, and our hopes for the future of opera from our perspective behind the scenes And backstage.
1: So, won't you join us on this adventure as we dive into the wonderful world of opera and all of the facets this gem has to offer all of us? gosh, Chris, what a wonderful show we have in store for our listeners today. But before we introduce our really special guests, I'd like to give everyone our word of the month. And our word of the month for August is passionate. I'm a really passionate person. Chris, are you?
0: Moderately. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. yes, of course I'm a passionate person. We work in oh, opera.
1: You're absolutely right. And the reason I chose the word passionate is because when I think of the two guests that are sitting right next to us, this word is the perfect word for both of them. It comes to mind immediately. Yeah. Now, the minute I introduce our guests, everyone who knows them will agree that they are really passionate people, but those of you who may not know these two really special guests, by the end of this podcast, I think you'll all agree that they are greatly passionate people. Well, I'm really happy and very proud to introduce these two really wonderful friends and colleagues. Chris, I know you've known both of these guests for a long time, as I have. Yes, we all have quite the history. Absolutely, <laughs> we do. And, and I think we've probably known, well, I'm not going to introduce her just quite yet, but uh, I've known this one, who I'm pointing, can, can everybody see that I'm pointing <laughs> through the air, through the sound w- or wave, or wavelengths, uh, f- since high school. And of course, the other special guest I've worked with so, so many times. So I'd like to introduce to you soprano, great friend and great colleague, Alexandra Lucian. Hi, everybody. And coach and accompanist, great friend and colleague, Mark Trofka. Hi, everyone. Alex Lucian is hailed as fearless and masterful and continues to be recognized for her passionate performance as a rising star on the operatic stages. She is known nationally and internationally, singing roles such as Turandot Electra, Leonora from Verdi's Il Il Trovatore, Puccini's Tosca, and Florencia from Daniel Catan's Florencia in el Amazonas, just to name a few. She has sung with San Francisco Opera, Minnesota Opera, Pittsburgh, Austin, Palm Beach, Central City, and Canadian opera companies. Seasons 20 and tw- 21 and 22, Alex will be performing Leonora, Leonor from Beethoven's uh, Fidelio with Austin Lyric and Tosca with opera Las Vegas. And she will be covering at the uh, Lyric of Chicago, the great role of Lady Macbeth from Verdi's Macbeth. Alex is a former resident with uh, Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Resident Artist Program, and she is from Cannonsburg. Uh, That's where she grew up, but we consider her also a a Pittsburgher, and she is just a jewel in, in our city and in the operatic world. I have to say my heart is in my throat because I've watched Alex grow from high school into this magnificent artist she is today. I'm so proud of you, Alex. Thanks for being here with us.
2: Thank you. My heart's in my throat too now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mark Trovka, pianist and fantastic coach, is also a dear friend and colleague. Mark has been with Pittsburgh Opera since 2003 when he became the director of music studies for Pittsburgh Opera, uh, Pittsburgh Opera's resident uh, artist training program, and in 2006 he became the Chorus Master of Pittsburgh Opera. Mark has also been the principal coach and accompanist for the past two years for Pittsburgh Festival Opera's Hans and Leslie Fleischner's Young Artist Program. He's recently played for Pittsburgh Festival Opera's participation concert, uh, May thirty first, with the PBT uh, concert at Flagstaff Hill. I met Mark. I think it was in two thousand two. Mark, wasn't it? Two
3: thousand, uh, early two thousand three. Is that right? When before it was? I yes. came to Pittsburgh.
1: Yep. In Costa Mesa, when he and I were both working on Il Trovatore. Mark has been my accompanist for many many recitals here in Pittsburgh. He is a vital part of Pittsburgh Opera's coaching staff. Anyone who knows Mark understands he's just not a pianist but an orchestra when he plays. He is also very passionate about his work. Um, when he plays, when you watch him, it's as though he's just going to fly off
0: <laughs> into the atmosphere. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> because he really is all over the keyboard, but he's also one of the most sensitive pianists uh, I know. So, Mark, welcome. Thanks for that superlative welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it has it has been so wonderful uh, to be able to have both of you here. As Chris and I both know, we've known you through Pittsburgh Opera. Yes. Uh, and Chris, how long has it been since, oof, since you, it was Mark, or was it Alex, that you knew first?
0: Uh, Mark first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was. I started when I w- was with Pittsburgh Opera for 14 years. I started in 2001. So two years later, in came the uh, the gentleman that changed my life forever. <laughs> um, he didn't necessarily chase I'm so me sorry. out, but <laughs> no, he's. He, uh, I will say that um, uh, you know, having the privilege of of hearing Mark, but also watching Mark perform um, collaboratively with a singer is uh is pure entertainment and uh, you know but but you know not just uh because he gets so into the music it's because he understands the music and he understands who he's playing um and uh, playing with and playing for um i I think that one of my favorite mark stories is like just watching you i think it was with when jonathan byer auditioned for um were the Resident Artist Program at Pittsburgh Opera, and we were up in Jazz at Lincoln Center Studios up in New York City and uh, and and he in his callback audition sang news from uh, from Nixon in China John Adams Nixon in China and and of course you know anything John Adams or you know like Hindemith or anything is just like ridiculous for a pianist and just to watch that per- it was like watching a performance happen in an audition and and from that moment on and i think it may have been 2004 or 5 but it was positively life changing and i understood more about what being a collaborative pianist means um, to uh, to the work of a singer, and t- and to really the, wor- the how much an audience really gets into that performance, especially when it's a in a recital type program like what's coming up with uh, with Alexandra and Mark, and then of course Alex and I met each other when you joined the program uh, at Pittsburgh uh, at Pittsburgh Opera, and uh, what year was that that 2010. you Twenty ten. 2010 oh, already
2: I gosh, cannot yikes. believe that but yes <laughs> yeah.
0: and then yeah and so oh, that's gosh. when we started getting to know each other and uh, and to watch you grow into these roles and all the work that you did I mean the resident artists and young artists are the hardest working um, people on the stage no doubt I mean they're trying so hard and getting paid so little um, and, and just really making the names their names for themselves and, and to have somebody like Mark there guiding their progress wow it, it is really it's truly a miracle to watch and that's been a joy for me in this industry is is to watch the development of young singers um, become remarkable performers and I just feel so fortunate um, that that we're able to bring Alex here with us
1: I know because as I said I knew her way 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 (laughs) way back when you were in high school Mm -hmm. really I met you for the first time well today We are here because the Legends in the Limelight Concert Series. And just a little bit of a backstory of how this all came about was, um, of course, because of the pandemic, we had to transition everything from last year into what we were thinking would be, you know, performances this year. And as the pandemic wore on and trudged on, uh, sadly, we had to think differently, and Chris and I spoke about the productions of, you know, the Pagliacci and uh, the Young Artist Program and uh, the Liza Strada and all of the things that we had had planned that we thought we would just put into the season. We decided there is no way that we can afford, really, to put productions on when, there's, when they really are so costly and not knowing how many people would... We would be allowed to have inside even if they were distanced and then thinking maybe some of this could be uh, outside but then the cost of putting up stages outside in parking lots and all of that still we weren't sure of how we were going to get our audiences and if they would come even outdoors so we put our heads together and i said chris there is something that we don't have in Pittsburgh, and we haven't had in a long, long, long time. And that is a concert series. And I said, why can't we bring in all of these wonderful colleagues and friends who are wanting to help Pittsburgh Festival Opera? Um, Why can't we start a concert series and do two in the spring and two in the fall? We thought, oh, that's a good idea. Well, again, the pandemic wore on, and so we have positioned this concert series uh, August, September, October, and November. Now, in the real world, this won't happen. You know, when we go on for next year, of course, it will be two in the spring and two in the fall because we want this to continue. So we talked about who we wanted to have, and I said I want Alexandra Lucian to debut this concert series, because of who you are in this city, and you are in that that trajectory as you are escalating in the operatic field, and uh, to be the one to debut this concert series was just the right person for me, and so here you are, and. Uh, i i am curious because i'm not even sure if i've asked you this or not have you ever sung at carnegie music hall
2: i have actually i've it's funny because carnegie music hall is a really special space to me um it was where i did my first i think first cfc concert when i was Eight years old. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, and it's it's also the last place that my um, my Greek grandmother saw me perform uh, before she passed away. So it's it's kind of amazing um, that so so that was the first place, and then all throughout um, CFC, it, which is now Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Youth Chorus. Yes, that's yes, correct. PYC. Um, so we performed there. Then I performed there with the Junior Mendelssohn Choir. Oh, that's um, correct. And then with Pittsburgh Opera later for the New Year's Eve concerts, so oh, I haven't been in the space since twenty eleven, I guess slash twenty twelve because New Year's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But um, but I've never done a solo solo recital there before, so this is going to be very unique. So those walls have a lot of personal significance to me.
1: Oh, that's so awesome! It is a grand hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, And Chris and I decided to do it at the Carnegie Music Hall because, again, at the time, we thought it was big enough to get distancing
0: right you know. yeah we wanted to make sure that the audience felt comfortable you know right. it, it's it, we're still entering into those times where people want to feel comfortable but some people do some people don't but carnegie music hall is a big space and uh, and people can spread out if they want to and uh, and it, it just made it made sense to have a beautiful hall and the ability to space a little bit further out you know during a pandemic so we still want to enjoy what we've always enjoyed but also in a safe way
1: Absolutely, and I have to say, the hall has done some renovations. Mm. Yes, and it's lovely. It wow! It really, really is lovely. Um, I was just over there, oh, maybe two weeks ago, and uh, you know, it it looks nice and bright, and uh, uh, and so I'm thrilled. It's a, to me, it is a glorious hall. Uh, you know, I think of Dish Hala, you know, <laughs> singing that in that. When you greet that hall, it's so magnificent. It's 1,900 seats. We don't think of Carnegie Music Hall as being that big, but it it truly is. Mark, I know that you have,
3: of course, played there. You've played for me. Uh, So you've been in that space? I've been in that space. We've done, uh, we'll be backstage during those uh, aforementioned New Year's Eve concerts. Turned page for turn pages for a recital for Renee Fleming there and we've um, we been in and out of there so it's very familiar. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what sort of changes that they've made there because yeah it's
1: it's it's, it's, it's lovely, uh, really it's it's I'm really looking forward to August third, friends. August third, seven thirty, will be the debut of the Legends in the Limelight, and our first legend <laughs> in that limelight is our Alexandria Lucian. Alexandria or Alexandra, I wanted to ask you what have you been doing over the last 18 months?
2: Well um, it's uh, it's been very difficult um, as I'm sure everybody knows by now um, the pandemic kind of devastated our industry um, for a long time and we're all sort of picking up the pieces now and getting back to business but in a new way. So um, I, I would say that first month, um, I was a little, I was a little at sea artistically. But I decided, kind of right away, when I saw the writing on the wall, um, that I would start teaching more full time, um, which was something I've done on and off for a long time. But I had never really taken on a full full studio. So, um, so I decided I had been planning on doing it actually in the summer of 2020 anyway. So the i just moved up my timeline and started in march and um and sort of overnight built a studio which now i have 25 singers which is kind of crazy uh
1: that's amazing yeah
2: it's really exciting and um and i've always loved teaching i've always loved working with all types of different people and um so i have some amateurs some professionals some children um some I had a married couple for a while, which was very fun. <laughs> we did duets together; it was great, um, and all virtual um, until recently. Now I'm starting to see people in person again. Um, but uh, but that was kind of my main project, and I did a few um, small projects as well. Um, I did something with a friend of mine that he called the Social Distance Opera, and we recorded uh, Tabarro, which was cool. I'd never sung uh, Giorgetta before, so that was a fun project to kind of keep me singing a little. And um, and then my wife and I created a virtual recital series called The Real Opera Wives of Chicago, uh, because my wife <laughs> right. is a mezzo. Um, Annie Rosen. Yes, she's amazing. Um, she is. And that also sort of sustained us artistically for a while. Um, and we basically threw caution to the wind and decided that we would... Sing things that made us happy and sing things that made other people happy and that wouldn't blow out our microphones in our uh kitchen and balcony, which was where we <laughs> did our uh live stream recital series. So, um, how so many it, episodes did you do of that? Because I watched several of them. We ended up doing five. Oh, we were wow. supposed to do wait, five, yes, we did five. And it expanded actually because we brought in the real the real string playing wives of Chicago also <laughs> oh <my laughs> for our, our last one, and we actually were supposed to do another one and um, Annie got a last minute job so we had to cancel it but um, but it will be coming back uh, and hopefully in person at some point um, so it's been but we've had a really good time with that.
1: Do you know the 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 uniqueness of that all of those episodes was you really went out on a limb. <laughs> And you dove into some real, unique genre of music, um, which I th- I, I, I'm I just thrilled that you did that, because a lot of opera singers are afraid to do that, and they think, oh, well, that's not really opera. You know, people will venture as far as Broadway, but then they don't get into some of that
2: the pop things that you and Annie did, and it was delightful. It was a little bit of the inspiration for the program that we're going to do for you guys, actually. Um, and... Uh, we can certainly talk about that more later but oh, we are um, <laughs> definitely going to talk about that for sure <laughs> but uh but yeah it was it was really fun and i have to say it was also inspired by my students because i don't just have classical singers you know i have people that i'm literally teaching how to match pitch to and you know people who sing broadway stuff people who do both um you know so i also had to learn you know i've i had taught pop singers in the past when i lived in california but it's been a while so I um, I actually worked with my teacher and one of my friends, who's a musical theater coach, uh, to kind of build that skill set. Also, I was taking pedagogy lessons with my voice teacher, which was very cool. And um and now it's it's fun because I also had to learn how to do it. So that,, uh, I just feel like the pandemic actually gave me a bigger color palette, which is really great. And then, it felt like going back to opera, I did a few virtual projects later with um chicago opera theater and and then I made my lyric opera of Chicago debut in a parking garage, which we can also talk about. Um, <laughs> but but again, like having sort of done all of this experimentation made me feel like my own operatic voice was now out of the box in a way. So it was really cool. absolutely. And
1: uh, you know the the I watched several of those episodes and what you and Annie brought to a really darkened time was just a lot of light thank you it was there was a lot of love in that in those episodes there was a lot of joy just because you were able to sing and share all of your you know your talents with uh, the world out there and it really did help people get through Thank you. It really, really did helped us too. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure it did. I remember uh, there was one uh, episode that you were out in your balcony. It started to rain, or something. Was that correct?
2: Oh, it was snowing. Snowing.
1: That's <laughs> <'Cause we're, laughs> well in Chicago. We're, well, we also.
2: Right. I, I have to give a shout out to the, my my Mark Trofka of Chicago, Josh Quinn, who was our amazing pianist, um, who I feel like is a mini Mark. Uh, in the way that he is able to. He's sort of taller. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So a bigger mark. Um, in the way that he's able to you know, cross pollinate genres. Um, he was so game, and just every time we were like, well, we wanna do this crazy thing, he'd be like, all right, and he'd just figure it out. He was amazing. But we weren't in the same household, so that's why we tried to do it outside, and that meant singing outdoors in Chicago in December, which was took me three hours to thaw out after that concert. But um, but it was totally worth it.
1: <laughs> it I remember that it was hysterical, and and the snow was coming down, and didn't matter. You were out there singing; it was great. Let's talk about your recital, uh, your concert for um, Legends in the Limelight. It's called Greek Love. Um, And you have quoted, you have said that your aim is to create a story that starts in darkness with the prologue, the Han prologue, because the character doesn't know love or human connection yet. A bit of a reference to the pandemic. Yes. And as you go through each set, you want to pick songs that create a story of people finding themselves and thus living fully through the different types of love they learn, culminating in full love of self, universe, and the divine. Then we can fully celebrate together. How did you come up with your thoughts on this, and why?
2: So, when, when you first approached me about doing a recital, I... I hadn't thought, I mean, creatively in the sense of you know bigger scale than just my balcony in a while, and um, I was feeling kind of tapped out um, just because of you know the the depression of the pandemic and sort of the fact that it wasn't ending, and <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, we 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 decided not to see our families over the holidays and so there was a lot of isolation in Chicago and winter is also very dark um yes <laughs> so it it honestly was sort of a it was like a therapy exercise in a way like I um I couldn't I would thought and thought and thought and I just felt like I couldn't find anything and I and when I build recital programs I do I like to tell stories I don't generally just kind of build uh programs out of repertoire that I like or you know things like that, just to build it. Um, I, I like to say something with it. And I've always been that way. I started that in college. So it's just the way I feel like I can express my own artistic vision, I guess, and um, bring the audience in too. So so I just was feeling tapped out on an idea. And I just started, I started doing the opposite of what I normally do, which is I started listing song titles and listening to different composers that I hadn't listened to. And at first, I was going full classical, and it just didn't feel right. And so then I was like, well, what if I sort of took the idea of The Real Opera Wives but sort of formalized it a little bit? And so then I started listing any type of song that I really liked and felt like a, a draw to. And <laughs> one day I was reading, like, I don't know, Facebook articles or something really stupid. And, um, <laughs> and I saw an article on, like, The Greek Reporter that I follow on Facebook <laughs> that um, was about the definitions of the ancient Greek words for love. And so I started reading this and I was like, this is such a great idea. And it felt so personal because I felt like, you know, I'm, I feel very blessed in my life with a lot of love, but I felt very disconnected from um, the the people that that feed me outside of my wife and, um, and just any type of connection, which is part of what has drawn me to be an opera singer in the first place which is you know sharing sharing connection with other people communicating to an audience and finding love through that so kind of out of my own feeling of this loneliness was sort of how I came up with this program and um, and then I started to get really excited about it because it felt like as I was working on the program this season, like, it's really funny how it happened. I mean, like, I didn't really finalize it until a few months ago because I just would add a little bit and then I'd step away from it and then add a little bit and step away. And by the time it was like April, May, and the sun was shining, I sort of felt like I got to the end of the program and I was like, okay, this this is the story I want to tell because this is what we've all lived. and um, And because I also... I feel that love is an essential, this is a dumb thing to say, but like, because no, everybody sure feels love. I'm not saying that, but it feels like a very essential part of who I am. Um, and I want to love people. I do love people. I, I, they, I you know, and um, having this opportunity to sort of break it down in a textual way, in addition to a musical way felt, um, just like the right story to tell, and a joyful story after what we've lived through, because I didn't want it to be depressing. You know, we've already done that. And um, I wanted us to feel like we could maybe, you know, all in a space together for the first time, I might add, you know, with with no masks and all the rest, um, feel like we can all connect to one another in whatever way makes sense to the audience. So that was another reason that I wanted to incorporate things outside of opera, because I wanted people to feel like there was something for them um, in addition to, you know, something just for me. So, uh, so that's kind of how I came up with it.
1: Well, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's such an in-depth thought process. And, obviously, you went through that thought process mm-hmm. yourself yeah. to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm delighted with some of the things that you're doing. Uh, of course, uh, you're doing some Greek songs, and, of course, you're doing some Electra, and you're doing um, uh, some Joni Mitchell. <laughs> I mean, this when I saw this, I just thought, oh, my gosh, that's just fantastic. And you're doing For Good from Wicked. You're touching a lot of people, Alex, mm-hmm. and that's really important. Because we've all gone through this pandemic, we all probably are feeling exactly what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And then when you put it down on paper and then you're going to sing it, it's you're, you're right, it's not your traditional, what we would call... Um, classical concert well that, it doesn't yeah matter. The, like the, the but clutch
0: the your l- cl- clutch your hands or your pearls and say jam and bread right yeah. this is th- <laughs> it's th- so th- wonderful th- that was what really excited me i saw that on paper and i said i have never seen the thought process like to put this program together like this it's so different that, and i and i hope our listeners are um can get really excited because it's not like this um stodgy old-fashioned classical recital it's it is clearly not that this is this is actually and to me you know even on paper and and talking with you now um it it sounds it's much deeper it's it is you on you're bearing yourself on this stage and and all of your what you went through during um during this time and you know let's not forget that we're still in it Mm -hmm. but it, it it is this emergence um, from that that is it's it's almost like a, a, a slice of time and of you that you're sharing with our audience and that couldn't be more a, a more special gift that you're going to be giving to our audiences and it, it's it's really impressive i can't wait for people to to hear this program because it's so varied and so different
1: Thank well you. and that's why we want all age groups and all Sorts of people to come to this because Mm -hmm. it's so important that you're touching so many different um, areas of people. I mean, really. I mean, being alive. (laughs) I mean, that's That's why it ends that
2: way. I just love
1: it. (coughs) I
2: mean, I really have some time. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I uh,
1: just—it's fantastic. Um, And Mark, I know this was. Uh, because we have been working you know, on the Young Artist Program together for Pittsburgh Festival Opera, and I knew mm-hmm. that you were going to start rehearsals with um, Alex uh, coming up this past week. Um, how is it for you as an accompanist to go through all of these different genres of music? You know, uh, you
3: can play anything.
2: Uh, <laughs> indeed he can. Yes, he can. He can. Don't he let can. that fool you. He's
3: yeah. masterful. It, it it's fun and terrifying all at the same time <laughs> because uh, my hands want to help when they shouldn't <laughs> in pop music because there's, there, as, as I get older, I, I've started to understand what not to do. Which I think we continue learning that just through our lives. That's like what not to play, especially in the in the, po- in the pop. I'm talking about the pop music and the the stuff that's not played as it is on the page. The wolf. We were very clever. When we started rehearsing, we left, we left the art song. We just, were like, this will be fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not the hard part this time. And we went right – I don't know if we started with Joni Mitchell, but it was pretty close. That was like one of the – and the Paul Simon. Mm-hmm. And these are songs that, because I've been living under a rock for 40 years, I had to listen to them. Um, I, I was – I've always been primarily attracted to music because of the sound and the beauty of the sound and the colors of the sound and how they relate to words, but I have never been primary, I I react to words, but I don't generate them myself. And I think that's also a a part of why I am a good accompanist because I react to the words, but you know, so I, I apologize that I can't always express myself as um eruditely is that a word? <laughs> <laughs> <It is now. laughs> as as I I as I would like, but I can I can kind of take the word and make people feel it and that's what's been exciting especially in the Greek songs where they, I was like is this that was that was also very funny because that when I, I've also discovered that when a Greek composer writes Allegro my Allegro is about five <laughs> times faster than what they imig- originally intended <laughs> so, and I told
2: him you've got to think about Greek time here we're always late they, you know <laughs> you got to go slow <laughs> here <laughs> 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 but
3: uh, which wh- the, it, it's been th- the past two days we've really worked hard and Try to find as many colors and uh, as we possibly can, so that people will. F- um, I think they'll react to that as much as the. The there are a few pieces that have vocal spectacle, but it's mostly about the message of the words and. Um, uh, I, I find it fascinating that uh, you know, I, I'm not as much of a nerd as I could be to know about all the different types of Greek love, but I'd, I'd heard of several of them, and to, to be part of a program where that's enumerated and uh, elaborated is, is really fun. It really is, and
1: uh, Alex, to, to again bring all of this newer stuff to us it's really, it's, it's very exciting. I want to know how you feel. Uh, just, I'm going to go off the, maybe the little beaten path here a little bit. You know, we as opera singers, classical singers, like when we get on stage and we sing. I have a very strong feeling that that's not the way this program's going to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have a feeling because you're such a communicator. You communicate obviously through your voice. You're singing. But I get this feeling that you're going to talk to the audience. Is that right?
2: Yes. I wanted Good. it again, I wanted it to feel like intimate? Intimate mm-hmm. and sort of a collaborative performance? Um, so that the audience feels included in the journey, I I, I want to um, I'll, you know I'll probably prepare an outline of what I'm gonna say. I have ideas, of course, but um, but I want to kind of clue them in. I want to break that fourth wall a little bit and um, and let them connect to the material um, maybe a, a little bit hopefully anyway uh, a, a little bit easier than if they were just sort of going through it without um. Any explanation because it is it is a lot to ask of an audience, <laughs> sort of jumping from all like genre to genre. There isn't um, no set has one composer or one style really, um, and uh, you know it, it's a lot to ask. It's going to be um, fun, uh, I think, and I think um, it's it's going to be different. But um, but I also want them to feel clued in to the process and um, and also you know, one of the things that I've always loved about seeing shows, which many audience members have told me, is that we all kind of get to live our own narrative when we see a piece. And, you know, I will certainly say my point of view, but I hope that people have their own narrative while they go through this program, which was why I felt it so important to include all these different genres. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I, I guess, like, just to kind of keep things on, on, some sort of connected track with me to the audience, so that I don't feel like I'm just singing at them, but singing with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think audiences love that. Yeah, they want
1: to be close to the performer. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you have a, a performance that's uh, um, a very traditional kind of uh, song recital or uh, an opera rec- or an opera concert or something like this, and the performer does not really speak or um, say too much to the audience. There is a wall. Uh, But one of the uh, performers that I remember when I was younger seeing her do this and it was like she talked. Oh my (laughs) gosh, she talked. (laughs) Was Dawn Upshaw. Mm. Mm -hmm. And she spoke to the audiences a lot and the minute she spoke we went, oh Mm-hmm. oh it's okay mm-hmm. you know you don't have to be just sort of always correct and, and, and it gives you that opportunity to let that person then even come in further to you mm-hmm. and um, I know that about you I, I'm sure that's going to be uh, a wonderful thing that this audience really um, will really 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 enjoy Mark what will you be doing um, I'll also be enjoying it. Uh,
3: there I'm are I'm sure you I'm sure you will get your uh, sidebars in. It, it, there's 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 a little bit more participation. I don't want to spoil it for people, but I'll be uh, doing more than playing the piano, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but but yeah, that we're we're This is
2: going to be fun. I know it sounds heavy, but it's not. It's no, going to be very it's fun. not. Oh, <laughs> like there are
3: a couple things that will that, that, you know yeah, we'll be making people laugh. I think
0: there was a toga hanging in the uh, the uh, dressing room. <laughs> I'm not sure, possibly. Well,
3: that's not oh, for that's me. Funny. I will be wearing that.
0: That's, that's. <laughs> oh you my did God. Just give me an idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is your favorite piece on this program? Oh have?
2: God, that's so unfair! I know it's. I don't terrible. know. Um, oh boy. Wow. Mm, that's tough. I uh man I have different favorites for different reasons I mm-hmm. suppose. I um I would say of the pop stuff, The Joni is my favorite. Oh gosh. That yeah. um and what's been sort of to digress for just a second, what's been sort of fun about this is discovering again like I'm playing with colors here, so I'm not all of a sudden going to try to be, you know, Joni Mitchell or Adina Menzel or anything like that I this isn't you know through the lens and through the vocal cords of a classically trained singer so while I want to honor the style I want to also put my own spin on it so that's something that Mark and I have Mark in particular let's be real here because he has to do all the work the keyboard um has uh, have been you know diving into and so that's been the fun part um about like the Joni um because it's a song that I've I remember when I was a kid, my mom, one day out of the blue, just grabbed me and said, Alex, we're going to go to the family room and I'm going to teach you about good music. And she sat me down and we listened to Blue, the the record, Joni right. Mitchell, and we listened to Cat Stevens and Paul Simon and all these things. And so there is a reason that these ended up on this program um, because that was what I learned about pop music when I was 13. and um, And it really, it spoke to me then and it speaks to me even more now. And so... Of that set, I would say certainly the Joni. Of the classical, I would say like the actual most fun thing to physically sing is definitely the Verdi. I'm doing a very excerpted version of Santo di Patria. I had to throw yeah. something on there, you know. <laughs> so that's that's really fun. Um but the piece that I that probably speaks to me the most is um Last Night the Rain Spoke to Me by Lori Leitman. Um which <laughs> Mark and I have been agonizing over for the past <laughs> two days because she wrote it so brilliantly. And I'm going to throw this out there. When you guys get the program, please be sure to read the notes, which I know I owe you. Um, but read read the poem of Last Night the Rain Spoke to Me and even follow along with it because Lori Leitman masterfully composed it to follow the way the poet wrote the lines of the poetry so they're, they're clipped in ways that don't fully make sense from, like, a sentence perspective. But then when you see it on the page, it makes complete sense. Mm. But the actual um, – the words uh, are so poignant because it just talks about, you know, finding, finding yourself through nature. And it's just so beautiful. Um, that and also probably the Messia. Um, because, again, those words, too, just really speak to me. It's such an ecstatic, colorful, you know – sensual praise of god which just i've been singing that piece for a really long time and i love it as much now as i did back when i first learned it um even though mark wants to kill me it's really hard (laughs) but he's doing brilliantly with it um i don't know i mean like i just could talk about every single one on this program and then of course the greek songs which is a new um new to me uh it's they are not uh, folk songs like they are actual Greek art song. Um, one of my friends from church actually is in as a singer as well, and um, introduced me to a book called Greek Greek Lyric Diction or Greek Lyric Arts. I can't remember exactly the title, but but in that was this breadth of repertoire that I didn't even know existed. That's all in Greek, and it's very like romantic style music. Um, so you'll hear it and think, "Wow, is this Rachmaninoff? Is this you know?" Strauss like it's got that kind of essence to it um so that's really cool to be singing in Greek and I said to Mark it's like kind of weird to to sing in in Greek not chanting um (laughs) because that's normally how I sing in Greek at the Greek Orthodox Church um so you know I could just go on and on
1: (laughs) that's awesome it's awesome Alex you spoke of your mom Mm -hmm. uh, introducing you to some of these great genres of music (laughs) of course we know your mom and dad very well (laughs) Susan and Nick Lucian and you come from a really a a musical background especially with your dad Mm -hmm. you know being a cantor in the church and has a beautiful voice yeah um do they know
2: the extent of this program have you shared it with them I have, although not. I haven't sent them the program exactly. Should probably do that before the recital. Um, I, I've sort of explained it to them a little, but I think I don't know if they fully, fully understand it quite yet. Um, but that's okay. You know, well, I want course. them to be part of the audience too. So right. Um, and I don't think I would send it to them.
1: <laughs> I, in fact, I, what I was going to say is, I am sure well your mom and dad are very passionate about your singing and, and music in general, but when they know the background, especially with the Joni Mitchell stuff, yeah. and of course your dad with the Greek songs and all of the the classical things, all of the music, yeah, um, they'll be blown away, I'm sure.
2: Well, it sort of feels like, you know, in a sideways way, I got to honor everybody in my life that's important. Um, and... Um, you know, the, the Joni honors my mom. The Greek stuff honors my dad. The jazz stuff honors my grandfather. Um, the the love songs honor my wife. Like, you know, everybody. And then some of the different styles honor my students. So it, it really feels like a love letter also to the people in my life. I don't know. It's just, it's That's gained awesome. layers and layers and layers <laughs> more <laughs> than I've thought about it. So I
1: think it's just incredible, really incredible. I'm not sure if most artists... Think through uh, their recitals so much, like that. I, I, I'm not sure about that, and it's very, very impressive. Thank you. Really, really impressive.
2: I mean, I feel like we have this, this um, duty uh, to to be artists whenever we, whenever we ask an audience to come watch us for two hours. We owe it to them to give them something big, and I feel like in opera, you know, what I some, one of the things I love about it is it is all in a lot of ways all about the voice. But um, but when you have an art song recital, it's like you get to like paint with you know 150 other colors. It's such a cool. Um, it's just such a cool. Experience to to be able to just create something that you would never get to do on an operatic stage. Singers actually don't really have that much freedom, and that's something that, you know, we're beholden to the composer, we're beholden to the conductor, to the stage director, to kind of a lot of other people's visions, and not really till we get into performance can we really kind of unleash the beast a little bit and, like, take it over and make it ours, but in this, this is ours from day one, which I think, you know, with the pianist, of course, and Mark is... (laughs) my amazing collaborator and um, I will always think of him as such. you know I ran this by him too um, multiple times and
3: it <laughs> took me a while to to understand and then um, I think it's just that someone of my age needs to really understand the concept of taking a song and a cover of it. <laughs> we because in, in in the world that I normally inhabit, we, honor exactly yeah. what the composer wrote exactly. and in this case we're honoring the piece mm-hmm. rather than the the notes that are on the page so yeah. that a uh, couple of quarters had to drop before i got that but I, th-
0: <laughs> I think we're there <laughs> you know, what's really interesting and, and what i'm hearing from you alex is that you know, when when you talked about how opera has, you know, we know that it has uh, so many strict rules, you mm-hmm. know, and how the singer has very little freedom. You know, we keep on try- saying in the opera business is to try to break down the walls, the barriers of entry into our industry and to see how many barriers the industry has in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how mm-hmm. this recital and how this type of performance can break th- those boundaries of uh, of like an operatic norm, mm-hmm. and uh, and show other people in the industry um, this ability to really show who you are, mm-hmm. um, and and it would it would be nice to you know to see that you know translate through other parts of the industry, mm-hmm. but this is this is an adventure for mm-hmm. our industry, and and I can only applaud you for the, the bravery that you're going to show on that on the stage, uh, on August third. But um, you know those barriers of entry to opera are strong still. And uh, and and I think you're doing a lot here to break that down.
2: Yeah, it was also part of my intention. I mean, I um, I want people to come see. I don't want to call it the real thing because this is the real thing too. But but in on a grander scale, I suppose I want everybody to come see the big, you know, the big Verdi's, the big Turandots, the new pieces, you know, all of that stuff because that matters just as much as this does. But if you're if I will say for all of you, if you're afraid, if you've never experienced anything like it this is kind of a great gateway into this world um so that it won't feel so intimidating that like it's all it's not all in a foreign language you'll probably recognize some of the music um I yeah I I, I really hope that um I want to feel like we're we're modernizing for for this day and age while also respecting our lineage and um and honoring opera when we're doing it in the house with you know the sets and the costumes and everything else so that we can adhere to those rules and there's a space for both so that those rules are are so important for telling an operatic story on an operatic stage but then on the flip side being able to tell a story like this too through the lens of the classical voice. Absolutely. Do you think you'll do it again? I freaking hope so, because I love this program. <laughs> I'm,
1: it, it's, a, it's just a fascinating program, and I'm sure you'll get, uh, get the opportunity to do it again. Thank you. Mark, I, I remember last week uh, we were talking about, you know, Alex was coming in, and um, the Queen was coming home. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the amount of time... Uh, because we were talking about uh, you know, space and, and rehearsal and this kind of thing, and the amount of time, the first day, Chris, Mark said, well, we need six hours on the first day, and mm-hmm. I said, you mean six hours? Like six <laughs> 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 Whole <laughs> yeah,
0: hours? Whole Yeah, and maybe yeah.
1: <laughs> the second day, too. The commitment to that is incredible, and then every day after that, Two hours or, or more,
0: mm-hmm. not to mention the countless hours of pr- individual preparation Prepa- yeah, just to get to the point of rehearsing together.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is a that is something our our listeners really need to understand the collaboration that it takes yeah. between a singer and a pianist because in the end, you want each other to know exactly. Which way you're going, and 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 who takes the lead, who doesn't take the lead, um, so those first that first, I'm curious the first day, uh,
2: that six hour <laughs> day. <laughs> well, we had two because we had Saturday yes, that's and Sunday a, that's both. What you said, so
1: yeah. we've. So how was that? It, I mean,
2: well, I
3: needed to know uh, because uh, Alex had worked out a lot of the how she felt that the the, the pop songs were going to feel with her um, with her people in Chicago and who I respect and I know I know them and they're they're awesome. But my mini slash big Mark Thanks, Josh Quinn. <laughs> and um, but I. I realized she's, she sent some sound files of how, how they were doing it and it was like I observed that and then when I was working on the same songs I improvised for I, I would take the song and just play around with it and improvise for like a, a, you know half an hour per each song at least and I came up with some ideas that I wasn't sure that they were gonna work and because my hands just do certain things at the end and, and at a climax the the whether whether the word is the is the thing that you hear or whether i can help color it and i did come up with some things in case of you which i think we both really like
2: oh god it's so beautiful
3: the, and it's pop and um, it's it's simple, which is the, as the older I get, the harder that is to do, being simple and just clean and letting the letting it express itself. You know, I, I used to think it was the fast notes and the loud notes, but it's <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, and it's so it's an exciting challenge to do that because um, that. Takes mental stamina and not necessarily physical stamina, but it doesn't mean that you're not tired after a six-hour rehearsal. Uh, Right. But we we had to work through the pieces that were covers, that were um, uh, what are we going to do with this? There's a Trenet song, which is basically um, uh, oh god French cabaret, (laughs) so much French. And what's on the page is ridiculous because I'm playing. You know, the, the 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 score we have has me playing along with her, which is completely not possible and the chords are simple and dorky and that we had to embrace where we were going with it and to make sure that it felt that we were honoring the character of it so i'm half making up half not making up and so the these six hours are for the, those two six hour days were for me to figure out when i was playing what was on the page and when i was not and luckily, I've had years of, uh, you know, at, at Pittsburgh Opera, we used to do cabarets, where sometimes there was one cabaret when uh, Alex was <laughs> in the pro- program. There was an entire set that was not written down. I had chord symbols and words written on a page. Oh my. And I improvised the whole thing. That's incredible. That, to this date, is the only time I have ever done that, and that is as close as I will ever get to jazz. <laughs> and thank you very much. That was fun. Was Let's move on. <laughs> 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 but knowing that I've done that made made me a little less scared about the the uh, things that are that are um, challenging about that, and it's not the you know Hugo Wolf das das It's one of my favorite art songs, but that's hard to play. But it's not; it's on the page, right? And um, the it, it, so this is this is a blast for me because I get to challenge my brain um, and not just my hands. Awesome, awesome. Well. I can't wait.
2: Either can we. I, oh, it's it, going to be uh, phenomenal. It is. Really.
0: And uh, you know, I was thinking about, I you know, mean, Mark, heart. you know, doing all, you know, these notes fast and loud, so many of them, and then, you know, especially when it comes to doing Electra, some Ricard Strauss. And then and then you, and, and then to have something simple in the program. It's like your mind must be going a million miles an hour <laughs> when you're trying to be simple. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty amazing to me, and and I I know how incredible this will be, and and, and I hope our, I know that our audience will love it, and that they will, you know, they come in droves on on August the 3rd to to see this magnificent recital.
1: It's, um, it's pretty, um, emotional for me.
2: Oh, honey. (laughs) No,
1: I mean that very sincerely. Uh... To see that that young person just take this huge arc and to grow into the magnificent artist that you have become, and you're just going to go further and further and further, Alex. And it's such a pleasure to have you here um, and to debut this concert series that we want to continue down the road with Pittsburgh Festival Mm -hmm. Opera. Uh, because we don't have one here. And so The Legends in the Limelight will be written in stone with Alex Lucian and Mark Trofka, and we, c- we could not be happier. Let me just say, our Legends in the Limelight continues in September, October, November. And again, we're so fortunate mm-hmm. to have such wonderful... Um, Artists coming in. Michael Kieldy is coming in. Another. Him. Oh my! <laughs> He's gosh. the best. Oh, <laughs> he is just the best. And uh, he'll be coming in in September, September fourteenth, seven thirty. He is also a Pittsburgher mm-hmm. uh, from Avonlon. Then in uh, October we have a, one of my dearest friends and colleagues, uh, Greg Kunde coming in, one of the really fantastic dramatic tenors um, of today, and uh, we're thrilled to have him come in on October 19th at 7.30, and then in um, November, we have Marjorie Owens, who is a dear friend of her. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) She's amazing. She is amazing, and uh, you know, uh, she was on our Wicked Wagner weekend last year, and literally she blew everybody just right out of mm-hmm. the water. And so we're so thrilled to have her. She is coming in November 16th at 7.30. I have to pinch myself when I think of the, the level of artists that are coming for Pittsburgh Festival Opera it truly is amazing, Chris, isn't it?
0: Oh, it, it's a it's a one hundred eighty degree turnaround. Oh, it's gosh. it's so great to see. And and um, I, I know because of you, Marianne, and and the love you bring to this profession, and and now as a leader of this organization, um, people oh, want to be around that. And uh, and and we're going to have people like Alex and and Greg and Marjorie, and and Michael. Uh, you know, they they're going to want to come here but we also want them just as much it's you know we embrace right. um their talent and and, uh, and 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 I think that that shows the longer we get to do this that you know that uh that people will know that they'll be able to come to Pittsburgh Festival Opera and and hear the legends in the limelight and really and really just to sit back and enjoy absolutely so i say thank you to
1: both of you you are uh Great artists, great friends, great colleagues. I can't wait, (laughs) almost a week, uh, to have you right here on this stage, um, and for a whole bunch of people to be blessed to hear you and be a part of that wonderful uh, performance. Thank you, Alex, so much. Mark, thank you so much. To all of our listeners, please, please get your tickets. www.pittsburghfestivalopera.org. Run, get your tickets. You won't want to miss this wonderful concert uh, at 7.30, August 3rd.
0: The Legends in the Limelight series is generously sponsored by Michelle and Pat Atkins. And in November, Marjorie Owens is additionally sponsored by William and Victoria Guy. See you all at Carnegie Music Hall.
3: Unstaged, the podcast is produced by Natalie Bensavenga and is engineered and edited by Ian Crammond. For more episodes, information on the Pittsburgh Festival Opera's upcoming season, and access to digital content, visit pittsburghfestivalopera.org for more details.